Okay, welcome back from your long Christmas break. I need to find something in this book. I don't remember the words. You don't remember the words? I came down here because you know my mom was in that meeting. Uh-huh. Good. Okay. Matthew. Romans. Colossians. Yep. First and Second Thessalonians. It's the big group of T's. Oh, oh for, for a second, Timothy. Yep. For a second. No more. Uh, uh, Cameron already said it, if you were paying attention. Titus. Yep. Hebrews. Yep. Hebrews. James. For a second, Peter. Uh-huh. For a second, third. Mm-hmm. John. Yes. Jude. Yes. Uh, Revelation. Okay, let's do it again, starting with Cameron. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Ephesians, no, for a second. So the church at Corinth. First and second, Cor, Corinthians. Galatians. Ephesians. Philippians. Colossians. Mm-hmm. For a second. First of the T's. Timothy. Mm-hmm. No. To the church at Thessalonica. Th- Thessalonians. Yep, first, second Thessalonians. First and second Timothy. Mm-hmm. Titus. Philippines. Yep. First and second. Uh, yes, Hebrews. It's a boy's name. Sometimes it is abbreviated as Jack. J. James. James. First, second, Peter. Yep, first, second, third, John. Yep. Revelation. Revelation, correct. Now, Cameron, can you tell me the names of the Gospels and Acts? Whoa, okay. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts? Correct. Sophie, can you tell me the names of the epistles of Paul to churches? The first one is Romans. Romans. It's all still in order. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's all still in order. Romans. First and second Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Yep. And. And. Philippians. Yes, and. 
And? Yes. Mason, can you tell me the names of the books of the epistles of Paul that are written to pastors? What comes after first and second Thessalonians? First and second. First, second Timothy. Yep. And first, second. Not a first and second. First and second Timothy. Titus. Yep. Phi. Yep, and men brew the coffee. Not she brews, but he brews, correct. Those are the ones to pastors. And lastly, Seth, can you tell me the names of the Catholic epistles and Revelation? Um, James. Yes. Yes. Um, First, second, and third John. Yep. Jude and Revelation. Correct. Matthew. Romans. First and Second Corinthians. Galatians. Yes. First and Second Thessalonians. James. First Second Peter. First Second Third John. Last book, Mason. Yes. Okay. Mm, you guys are out of practice. Well, we're going to keep doing this until Lent because then in Lent we have more midweek services so we won't have time. What? When is Lent? That's a very good question. Sometime in February. Okay. In February? Well, we'll figure that out later. Now, what is the ninth commandment? Um, we, you shall not. You shall not covet against your neighbor. Well, you don't covet against. You covet something. Let's say it together. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. Yeah. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. What does this mean? Okay, keep working on that. I can tell that you know the trick about the catechism questions because you were so good until it got to the part that's different. What's the difference between the 10th commandment, which is you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his oxen or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor? What's the difference between that and coveting... Your neighbor's house. Yes. Um, like with the tenth commandment, you it's just wait. You should it's just like personal things. What do you mean by personal things? Like his wife. You I don't know. Seth? Is it wife you mean like the ninth one is just his house, and everything else is like his other properties? Um, not exactly, because if you remember in the explanation of the ninth 
commandment. It's not just that. It's not just the house, as in the building. It's also uh, not taking away your neighbor's inheritance or possessions, his money or his things. So when we talk about not coveting your neighbor's house, it means the goods of your neighbor. So you don't covet your neighbor's house or his money or his income or any other thing that is property your neighbor owns. But when you don't covet your neighbor's wife or manservant or children or ox or donkey, what do all of those things have in common? An ox and a donkey and a manservant, maidservant, children, wife, all of that. Cameron. Killing? Do you kill someone's wife? No. No, I mean you can kill them because they're all alive. alive. Those are living things. So in one hand, you're not to covet anything that your neighbor has, and on the other hand, you're not you're not allowed to covet any relationship that your neighbor has. You're not allowed to covet his life. Or his people, or who he loves, or anything like that. That's the difference: a personal relationship versus a thing, which is a piece of property. You four are not things. You're not pieces of property. You are people, and you can have relationships, which is different than you being things. Okay? Does that make sense? It's a tenth commandment for next week, but I'm gonna. I'm going to have you do the ninth commandment and the tenth commandment because they go together. Okay. Now to the term quiz. The term quiz today is all names of people. Okay. That makes it a little easier. We'll see. All names of people, Sophie. Is the name of a town the name of a person? No. No. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Nope, names of people. Okay, number one. A carpenter by trade. This man descended from Judah and the house of David and became the husband of Mary and legal guardian of Jesus. A carpenter who became the husband of Mary and the guardian of Jesus. Number two. The priest of the division of Abijah, who received a message from the angel Gabriel while officiating at the temple. That God heard his prayer for the redemption of Israel, and that Elizabeth, his own wife, would give birth to the forerunner of the Christ. And I'll give you a bonus point if you tell me the name of the forerunner of the Christ. This is the name of the father of the forerunner of the Christ, who was a priest in the temple. Number three, 
the aged, just and devout man in Jerusalem who took Jesus up in his arms at his presentation in the temple and prophesied concerning him to Mary and Joseph. He could now depart this life in peace because it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And your bonus question, your bonus point here is, if you can tell me the name of the song this man sings. This aged and just and devout man who worked in the temple in Jerusalem. Number four. the blind beggar who sat outside the walls of Jericho. The blind beggar who sat outside the walls of Jericho. And number five, the brother of Mary and Martha from the village of Bethany, who often received Jesus into his home and who was raised from the dead by Jesus after he had been in the grave for four days. What is the name of that fellow? Okay, do you need me to repeat any? Sophie, which one do you need? Number three, okay. Number three, the aged, just, and devout man in Jerusalem who took Jesus up in his arms at his presentation in the temple and prophesied concerning him to Mary and Joseph. And this man sang a song, and you get a bonus point if you can tell me what the name of the song is. All right, Cameron, which one do you need? Four. Okay, just let me find that. Number four, the blind beggar who sat outside the walls of Jericho. The blind beggar. Okay, any more that you need repeated? Going once. Going twice. All right. Sophie, number one. Uh, Joseph. Joseph, yes. Uh, what would we say his full title is, Cameron? Uh, I Saint Joseph. Okay, Saint Joseph is closer, Seth. Yes, that's the full title, St. Joseph, the guardian of our Lord. Why is it guardian and not father? Sophie. Because he's the guardian. Like, he's not the father of Jesus. He's the guardian of him. Yes, he is not the father of Jesus. Jesus is not Joseph's biological son. Did you put Joseph? Yeah. You get a point for that. I will accept it. I just want you to, I want to make sure that you know his full title. Okay, number two, Mason. Zechariah. 
Yes, Zachariah or Zacharias with an S. Either one is correct. And who is his son, Mason? John. Yes, John the... Baptist. Yes, John the Baptist, as opposed to John the Evangelist. I, I, I just put John. Okay, which John? This played John. Which John did you mean? Did you mean John the, the Evangelist or John the Baptist? I don't know, because I just wrote the plain John. Well, t- t- tell me right now, Cameron, which one do you mean? Which one of those two Johns is the son of Zechariah? Well, well, at first I'm thinking the evangelist. Well, tell me, tell me what you're thinking right now. Is it John the Baptist who is the forerunner of Jesus, or is it John the evangelist that is the forerunner of Jesus? The Baptist? Yes, good boy. Okay, number three, Cameron. Uh, is it Simeon? Yes, it is Simeon. And Cameron, what is the name of Simeon's song? Uh, the Nunc Dimittis? Yes, the Nunc Dimittis. Good. Number four, Seth. Um, blind Bartimaeus. Yes, Blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus. Who can tell me what happened to Blind Bartimaeus? Seth? Uh, didn't like Jesus put his... Eyes and water, or... uh, Jesus spat in the dirt and made clay and put it on his eyes and told him to wash in the pool of Siloam. And then he opened his eyes. Yes, then he had a sight. But I mean, what happened after that? Uh, What's the big thing that happened oh, to Bartimaeus? He, he died and he got his back. Nope, not Bartimaeus. That's, you're thinking of Lazarus. Yeah, Lazarus. Um, but what happened to Bartimaeus? The Pharisees did what to him? They excommunicated him because he said that Jesus was the Lord. And Sophie, what is number five? I said Lazarus. It is Lazarus. I was going to say Lazarus of Bethany. Oh, Lazarus of Bethany. Yes, actually, I think that's the full name. Yes, Lazarus of Bethany. Uh, Lazarus is correct. That is the one who was in the tomb for three days or four days, and Jesus raised him from the dead. Okay, very good. Sophie, how did you do? Okay, Seth, Cameron, Mason, okay. Hey, what if there be seven points total? Yes, seven points total. Because there's two bonus points. Yep. I will almost always give you bonus points, but it's not a guarantee. It's if I'm thinking about it, I'll give them to you. Uh, okay, to the Gospel of Matthew, the 16th chapter. Pardon me. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought you were talking to me. What chapter? 16. The chapter is the same age that you... uh, Yeah, that you get to drive. That you get to drive by yourself. According... 
so you can drive somebody else home. A family member. Yes, a family member who has a driver's license. Sixteen. Okay. We are going to start at verse 13. How many of you watched The Sound of Music over your Christmas break? I've already Wait. watched it. Well, when we're opening for presents, we just listened to the Christmas music. So. You listened to Christmas music, but did you watch the movie called The Sound of Music? No. Oh, you all. You disappoint me. Hey, we'll I have to have... We'll have to have a midweek party where you come to yeah. the parsonage and I'll cook you popcorn and you can eat yes, that and fun. you can watch The Sound of Music. I can't believe you guys. You're, you tell your parents, you've neglected me. I haven't seen The Sound of Music. And then if they get up to you, oh, pastor said it. Yeah, we'll have, you, we'll have a, a movie party. When? Only for oh, sometime, I don't know, after only, Lent. Only for midweek. Only for mid, yeah, we'll have it just for midweek. Okay, verse 13, we'll go clockwise, which is from me to Sophie. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Uh, what does he ask his disciples? Uh, who do men say what the Son of Man am? Yeah, who do men say that I am, and who does he say that he is? What does he call himself? The Son of Man. Mm -hmm, the Son of Man. Do you know where that comes from, the title Son of Man? Cameron? Mm -hmm. From God? Well, you're... Half right. The man is, that man is God. And uh, can you think of a place in the Gospels where somebody says something about the man? Do you remember what Pilate says about Jesus? Pontius Pilate? He says, Behold the man. So that's a, that is an important thing. But uh, and yes, it does come from God. It comes from the book of Daniel, which you probably don't really know much about except for Daniel and the lions. But there's a lot there. This is what it says in Daniel. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Who is the Ancient of Days? Who do you think is the Ancient of Days? God. The son. Not the son. The father. the father. Yeah. The ancient of days is God the Father. And who is the Son of Man? 
who comes with the clouds of heaven and goes to the Ancient of Days, what are you doing? <coughs> well, don't. Who is the one who comes in the clouds of heaven, goes to the Ancient of Days, and is given an everlasting dominion? Who is that? Jesus. Jesus, yes, the Son of God. Um, what does it mean then when Jesus calls himself the Son of Man or when Daniel talks about the Son of Man? He's the Son of God. Yes. Well, it's a title title for the Christ, uh, which Jesus is. Now, Jesus is, is he God or is he man? Well, he's both. He's both. That's a question where you just say, yes. Is he God or is he man? Yes. He's both. So, because he's the Son of God... He, is, he doesn't need to be born of a woman. But because he's going to be the son of man, that means that he is the son of God who is in the flesh. He is the Christ. Uh, and he, why does he come? What's, his, what's the whole reason that Jesus became, took on flesh? To save us. Yes, for salvation. And where, is, where does his salvation come? Where does he win it? Where does Jesus win salvation, Mason? If you walk into the sanctuary upstairs, like you're going to church, there's a big thing right above the altar, which is the central thing. Everything that we talk about comes back to that one thing. What is it that you see there? God. God. The Father. Not the Father. Uh, Cameron? Not the Holy Spirit. Not the Holy Spirit. What's what's right over the altar? The Son. The Son. And what does He look like? Jesus. What does Jesus look like? What's happening? Um, Do you guys you don't pay attention in church? You don't you don't know what I'm talking about? What's up there, Cameron? Okay, he looks like he's dead and he's hanging on a cross. cross. My goodness, it's like pulling teeth. Yes, Jesus is on the cross. He's crucified. That's In Jesus' death on the cross, that's where he wins salvation for you. That's why the crucifixion is so important. That's why pastor wears this crucifix and why there's a crucifix in church. Because Jesus on the cross is everything. Well, there's two, there's two of them in our church. Yes. There's one in the sanctuary and there's one in the old church. Yes, and there's two in the new sanctuary too. One on the wall and one next to the pulpit. The pulpit, the pulpit is where I stand to preach a sermon. There's one with there. There's a there's a cross. That one is just a bare cross. But there's a crucifix right in the middle so that when you look right up, you see everything that wins your salvation and that preaches the mercy and the love of God to you. Uh, What does it mean when it says in Daniel that the Son of Man gets an everlasting kingdom? What do you think his everlasting kingdom is? Uh, Heaven. Not heaven. But that's a good guess. It's something that we have already, kind of. It's Cameron? Earth? Not Earth. It's the church. His kingdom is the church. What, what else do we call the church? Do you know? 
There's lots of different. Okay, the house of the Lord. What else? The body. It's Jesus' body. With, it's one body with Christ as the head. So we're all part of one body. Uh, so this is his kingdom. It's the church. And who is in the church? All people. From, what, how, from how many nations? All nations. Is there anybody who is not allowed to be in the church? No. Anybody who is a sinner, who is repentant, and who desires the Lord... Is a part of can be a part of the church. Okay, now Sophie, verse fourteen. And what they, do they say here? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Yes. Are any of those answers correct? Mm-hmm. No. Jesus is not Elijah. He is not John the Baptist. He is not Jeremiah, and he is not one of the prophets. Continue. He said to them, But who do you say what I am? Yeah. So who is he asking now? Um. See, what's the difference between his two questions? What did he ask them the first time? Uh, like, uh, who do people say the Son of Man is? Yes, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do people say that I am? And what's his second question, Mason, the one you just read? Uh, do you, but who do you say Yeah, what I well, am? use it in your, say it in your own words. What is, what is his second question? He's asking, like, who he is. Who? Um, the Lord is. Yeah, but... The first time he said, who, do, who does everybody else say that I am? And now he's saying, who do you say that I am? And who's the you? Us. No. no. The disciples, right. What's the difference between the disciples and everybody else? They're the, they believe. Other people believe, but the disciples are the ones, the twelve uh, the 12 disciples, these who are to be apostles, they follow Jesus everywhere. They follow him and they listen to his teachings. So they should know some things that some other people maybe don't because they're around Jesus all the time and are learning from him. So now who do you guys say that I am? And 16, Cameron. It says to Simon Peter answered and said, you're the Christ, you're the Son of the living God. Yes, you are the what? The Christ. The Christ. And who is the Christ? The Son of the Yes. <laughs> yes, he is the Son of the living God. But what does it mean to be Christ? Um, what does the Christ come to do? Teach about God. And he, he does do that, but there's a bigger thing that he comes to do. Yes, and what would we say that is when he dies for our sins? What does it do? Save. Save, yeah. Salvation. He is the one who brings salvation. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Is that answer correct? Yes, because that's who Jesus is. Okay, continue. 17. Um, and, and Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon bar for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. 
And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth shall be lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, Okay. Peter makes this confession, and his confession is what again? First of all, what is a confession? There's two ways to use the word confession, confess. What would be, what's the obvious one that you think of right away? Um, Telling your answer, Saying your answer out loud? No. Uh, not, kind of. Like confessing sins. Right, like confessing sins. So if I say, oh, it's time for you to go to confess, your first thought is, I'm going to confess my sins. And what does it mean to confess your sins? Not to pray. Yes, to admit out loud. So I always talk about your dad robbing the bank. So if your dad comes to confess to me about robbing the bank, what does that mean he's he's doing? He's coming to tell me that he committed the crime. And he's telling you what he did. Yes, he's telling me what he did. So if you, Sophie steal a package of bubblegum from the store, and then you go back to the store because you feel bad and you confess what you have done, what does that mean? I I don't... It means that you come and you say what you've done. That you come and you say, I sinned, I stole this pack of gum from here. And you acknowledge it, you confess it, you say it out loud what you've done. But there's another, confess has another meaning to it as well, which we say a lot, like confession of faith. Or you think about in church when I say, we confess our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. Yeah, to confess is to speak forth. So when we say a confession, uh, we can mean that you're speaking forth your sins or you're speaking forth your faith. So a confession of faith, if I say, I want you to have a bold confession, that means I want you to say what it is that you believe boldly. So when we talk about Peter's confession, this is it. His confession is that he said, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that is his confession. Is that a good confession? Yes. Yes. Is that a confession that the church still has? Yes. That we, you come here and you say, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus is Lord. Is Jesus Lord? Mm-hmm. Yes, then your confession is exactly the same as Peter's. What does, Jesus, what does Jesus say about that confession of Peter? Then he... No, no, no. This is in, this, this is in verse 17. What does he say about that confession? Uh, Boston, are you... That's about Peter, but what is it? What about the confession? Uh, flesh and blood 
Has not revealed this to you, but my Father. Yes. What does that mean, Cameron? What does it mean when Jesus says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven did? No. What is what is Sophie? No, no, no. This when Jesus says flesh and blood here, it doesn't have anything to do with him giving his flesh and blood. When he says flesh and blood, he means mankind, your friends, people. He says flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you which means nobody else came to you and said, hey, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Make sure that you remember that. Nobody came to him and said that. And he didn't do it either. He is part of flesh and blood too. He didn't think of it on the fly like, hey, I've got a really good answer to Jesus' question. I'm going to be the smart one. Uh, it wasn't revealed to him by anything on earth. Who revealed that to him? Oh, um, God. Yeah, the Father in heaven. And how does the Father reveal that confession to Peter? Uh, yes and no. They don't have the Bible yet. Yes, but what do they have? They don't have the Bible, but they have the... What's, what, do, what would we call the Old Testament? What's in the Old Testament? Two parts. The blank and the blanks. The New Testament and the Old Testament. No, I'm just talking about the Old Testament. The first five books are the... What? No, of the Old Testament. It is the Pentateuch, but something else. Yes, which means... Do you know what? Do you remember what Torah means? It means law. There's the law and the Cameron. In the word. No. What's the name of a person who speaks the word of God in the Old Testament? Um, who proclaims the word of God, like Isaiah or Jeremiah? The disciples. Not disciples. Apostles. Not apostles. Cameron. You're closer. It does start with a P. Cameron. Not pastors. You're getting colder. Priests. Now you're really close. It isn't priests, but it's very close. It's a PR. Preacher. Not preacher. Isaiah. Oh, prophet. Prophets. Right. It's the law. And the prophets, that's what they have. And what are the law and the prophets all about? Um, the word. Or... The word. Of God. The word of God who is. The Lord. The Lord who is. The... Um, who is the Lord? The, the Trinity. Oh, no, this is an easy. Who is the Lord? Jesus is the Lord. The whole law and prophets are about Jesus and what he comes to do. All of the law and the prophets talk about Jesus, like Daniel talking about the Son of Man. So Peter's confession about who Jesus is comes 
from the law and the prophets. Jesus is revealed in the law and the prophets. And uh, what does this mean then when Peter calls, or when Jesus calls Peter, Peter? He says, you are Peter. Do you know what the name Peter means? It means rock. I want to teach you a little bit of sign language. Are you ready? Yeah. This is what, how you say Peter in sign language. You go like this, and then you bounce it twice on your hand like that. This is the letter P, and this is, whoops, sorry, Sophie, and this is a rock. So to say Peter in sign language is to say there's a, the letter P here on a rock, because the name Peter means rock. Like this. Make an L, Sophie. With, do it, are you right-handed or left-handed? Right. Okay, use your right hand then. Make an L, and then put the two fingers together, and then take your middle finger and cross it like you're making an F. Okay. And then tip it down like that. That's a P. Yep. Um, you should be able to do like this, and it should make an F. If, it, if it's sideways, it's an F. Yeah, just take your middle finger down lower. Yeah, like that, and then tip it down like that. Uh huh. And then you put it down like that. That's a P. I'm gonna ask my friends. Wait, do I do it like this? Okay, I'm gonna ask my friends tomorrow. What does this mean? Peter. That's the name Peter because it's a rock. I know. Because the name Peter means rock. Okay. Why does he call Peter a rock? Because what he says, hey, Jesus Christ, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is the rock of the church, that confession, who Jesus is. Everything in the church depends on who Jesus is. That's a foundation. You know the parable about the wise man who builds his house where? On the rock. Right, on a rock, and the foolish man builds his house where? On the sand. Yeah, what's bad about building your house on sand? Because, Cameron. Because it, it looks loose. Yeah, it washes away. But a rock is a solid foundation. It's, heavy, so it's big and heavy and it doesn't move. And it doesn't float. That's why, you know, when they build houses nowadays, what do they do first? Concrete. Yeah, they put a big concrete and they call, what do they call the concrete foundation. thing? Yeah, foundation. You have to build on the foundation. foundation. You so can't just put it in the dirt or it'll... Or the rain will hit it. Yep. It causes problems. So the confession of Peter is the rock or the foundation for the whole church because the whole church from the apostles all the way on believes Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Is the church built on the person, the man named Peter, or is it built on the confession of Peter? That's the question. Is it the man or is it the words that he says? The confession that he makes about who Jesus is? The answer is it's both. What's important about the words that he says? His confession. It's all about who Jesus is. Is it important to say that Jesus is the son of the living God? It's... Yes, it is. It's very important. Uh, so that's why his confession is the rock of the church. 
the words that he says, which were not revealed to him by flesh and blood, but by God. And then he, as a man, also is a rock of the church, because who gets to be in charge of the church when Jesus ascends? Who's left in charge of all the apostles? Well, obviously, but what person is left in charge? When Jesus ascends, which one of the twelve apostles is the one that is in charge? Peter. Peter's the one in charge. Now, here's the really important thing. Do you make a confession still today? Oh, yeah. Yes, you do. Every time you confess the creed, you make a confession. Anytime someone says, hey, Mason, who's Jesus? How would you answer that question? Who's Jesus? Well, Jesus isn't the father, but he is the son. the son of of who? Whose son? God. Yeah, Jesus is the son of God. Right, what you did right there—that was a confession of faith. Jesus is the son of God. To say something like that about Jesus is to make a confession. Now, Mason. Did flesh and blood reveal that to you? Do you only say that because somebody sat you down and said, Now, Mason, Jesus is the Son of God. No. Why do you make that confession? Because? Because people can know who he is. Well, that's why you want to, but what, what reveals it to you? The Word of God. The Father reveals that confession to you just like he did to Peter. So this is how good faith works. Where does it start? Does it start with you or does it start with God? God. It starts with God and it comes to you. And when you make a good confession of your faith, where does your confession start? With you or with God? Are you sure? Starts with God. Who's the one that reveals it to you? God. Yeah. Who's the one that works on you to help you believe? God, bless you. Who's the one that gives you the ability to make a confession and to say something true like Jesus is the Son of the living God? God. The confession comes from God. Just like with Peter, it comes from the Father. Your confession of faith comes from Him too. Now, what does Jesus promise to give to Peter? I will give you, verse 19, what does He promise to? The key to the kingdom. Yeah, and what, what does that mean? Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose will be loosed. What does that mean? So whatever you have on, on earth, will, you'll have it in heaven, but anything that you lose on earth, you, you won't have it in heaven. Well, not exactly. Does everybody have this power? No. No. Who has that power? Just Peter. Not just Peter. Peter and... Well, yes, God has it. Peter and... The the apostles. And then after the apostles, who else has it? The disciples who the apostles ordain. Who can you... Can you think of somebody here who is ordained? Yes, me! I am ordained, which means I also have that power. 
because it came all the way down to me from the apostles. And what this means is, it's the, the office of the keys is what it's called. So sometimes when you go into church, there's a big key or two keys crossed like that. It, you're, this is your assignment. The next time you go into the sanctuary, probably on Sunday, you have to try and look at the stained glass windows and see if you can find the one that has the office of the keys in it. Wait, there's only keys that go like that? Yep, I, I, it'll be two keys that cross. One key is for unlocking and the other key is for locking. What am I unlocking? Or really, what is Jesus unlocking and locking? The gates to heaven, the kingdom. The kingdom, but what does that mean? Mason. Yes, and how are the gates of heaven locked or unlocked? Yes. Well, yes, but what does it mean? It's about forgiveness of sins. Can you be brought into the Lord's kingdom if you are a sinner? No. No. You have to have what? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Because what happens if you're a sinner? Then you go to hell. Well, you die. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what it means is that to the person who comes to you and says, I have sinned. Please forgive me my sins in the name of the Lord. You use the key that says, I unlock those sins by taking them away from you in forgiveness. But the person that says, I am not going to confess those sins and I don't care and I'm not, gonna, I'm not sorry for them and I hate you all and I'm, oh, I'm never going to stop doing that sin. Then do you tell that person, well, your sins are forgiven. No, you lock. Now those sins are locked on you until you come to confess. So that's what this is, the office of the keys. So remember, go into church, look on the stained glass windows and see if you can find the two keys for the office of the keys. And then you can tell your parents how smart you are. You can say, oh, do you know what that is? That's the office of the keys. Yes, Sophie? So it's the cross and the two It's not a cross. It's just it's two keys in a cross. I'm not going to tell you which window it is, Sophie. What kind of a homework assignment would that be if I just told you where to look, Cameron? Uh, which key is unlocking? The one that's for unlocking. Yeah, it's, it, they're not labeled up there. It's just a symbol. Two keys like that. One for locking, one for unlocking. It just, ta- it just is a picture that shows what, the, what Christ's authority is with sins. And that's the authority that he gives to his apostles... Uh, who are the first pastors, and then they give that authority in ordination to other pastors, and it goes down like that. Sophie? You could just tell us if it's on the Nope, side. I can't. Not. You have to look. There's not that many stained glass windows. Yes, there is. There's four on this side and this side. That's eight. That's nine, eight. Ten, Eleven. Nine, nine, ten. Twelve. There's twelve. twelve. There's twelve total. Yeah, because there's one. There's one in the back. That's not that many stained glass windows, Sophia. I think that you probably can do it. Now, what happens next? Let's see. What does Jesus say? From that time, Jesus began to show uh, to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Why does he have to be killed? Because he did that. No, Sophie. 
Jesus didn't do bad things. What are you talking about, girl? Why does Jesus have to suffer and die? For us. Yeah, but why does he have to? He's doing it for us, but yes, to take away your sins. And why is he going to be the one to take away your sins? Think about Peter's confession. Who is Jesus? The Christ, that's right. The Christ is the one who takes away sins, and the Christ has to take away sins by... Forgiving them? No, by... By dying. He can't take away sins without death. So the Christ has to die. So when they make the confession about who he is, he says, yes. Now let me tell you what that means that I'm the Christ. It means I have to die. Then Jesus said to his disciples... If anyone desires to come after me, what does it mean to come after Jesus? To kind of like charge him. Pardon me? Charge him. No, 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 no. Not that kind of come after. Think of a different. Follow. Follow, yes. If everyone desires to come after me or to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What does that mean to deny yourself? Well, firstly, let's say this. If you have faith, then that means that when Jesus says something, you agree with him. And how do you say that you agree with Jesus? In the church, it's one word. You say, yes, good. That's what faith says. Faith says, yep, I agree with that, Jesus. And that's amen. Amen, amen, amen. Now, um, that's faith that agrees. Now, when faith agrees, it also goes where Jesus goes. So wherever Jesus is, that's where you go. Where is Jesus here? In the church, where is Jesus? On the cross. In the sanctuary, where in the sanctuary? On the cross. Well, that's just that's a representation of him. Where is he truly? Yeah, the body and blood, which sits on the altar. altar. Yeah, that's right. If you want to come and actually look at Jesus and touch Jesus and see Jesus, that's really him. That's really where he is. But then, so that you go where Jesus is and you follow him where he goes. But you also do the things that Jesus does. And what happens to Jesus? He yeah. suffers and dies. And that means what happens to you? Suffer and die. So you cast aside anything that would stop you from following Jesus. You take up your cross. And that means that for you, you deny yourself, your sinful self. Which wants to do what? Oh, all kinds of stuff. But you deny it. You say, no, no, no. I'm going to work and I'm not going to do those things. I'm going to deny myself. And I'm going to confess my sin. I'm going to trust in who? Jesus. Yep, I'm going to trust, fear, love, and trust in him above all things. Which commandment is that? Um, not the sixth one. Fear, love, and trust in God above all things, period. Well, that's the explanation for one. Yes, the first one, that Jesus is the most important, that he is the highest, that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he is God, and we trust in him, and we follow him. Faith calls you to live a new life. So when you're baptized and you're brought into faith, you take up your cross and follow Jesus. You don't live the same way that you used to live. You're different now because you're in Christ. Okay, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Good. Now let's look at these terms here. And we still do uh, 
9 and 10. Oh, okay. 9 is just review. 10 is the new one. So here is what you have. You have four new ones. You have St. Peter, Apostle. He is one of the two most prominent of the apostles. Who's the other one? This is just a quiz. Peter and one of the evangelists. Yes, correct. John, Peter and John. That might be a bonus question. So just... What? What? Oh, with the terms? Okay, mine is different than yours because mine's a lot longer than yours. Uh, yes, so St. Peter the Apostle, and he has a feast day that is celebrated jointly. It's St. Peter and St. Paul on June 29th. The Creed. My cousin, my baby cousin's first name, Creed. That's right. The Creed, uh, this means the first of the three creeds. There's the Apostles' Creed, the one we say on Sunday, which is the Nicene Creed, and then there is the Athanasian Creed, which is the one that Marla loves. That's her favorite because it's really long. You should tell her, Mason, the next time you see her, how much you love the Athanasian Creed and how Pastor told you that she loved it so much. You just see what she says, okay? Uh, so this, the first of the creeds is the Apostles' Creed, and the Apostles' Creed is mostly just called the Creed. So there's the Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed, but the Apostles' Creed is the big baptismal creed. There is confession of faith, which means that you're speaking back the words that God gives you, because flesh and blood don't reveal them to you, God reveals them to you. So God tells you, hey, this is my son. And you say, oh, amen, this is your son. Okay? And then lastly, the Son of Man. Son of Man. This is the title that Jesus uses of himself, drawn from the book of Daniel. Okay? Any questions about any of this? No. All right. Very good. Let's go pray.